Welcome to the Knowing God Podcast. The hope of this podcast is that it would help you to know the Word of God so that you may ultimately know God. I'm your host, Andrew Rutten. Let's continue in our look at Colossians 3.5 as we hear Paul encourage us to put to death all forms of sexual immorality. As with the last episode, just a heads up that some of the content may be slightly more mature. Just by way of warning to yourself and whoever may be listening, there shouldn't be anything too bad, but I just want you to know that as we go into it. So last episode, we saw Paul call us away from sexual immorality in general. Today, he hones in a little bit on the idea of impurity. So let me read the whole verse again, and we'll focus in on that one idea. Colossians 3, 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. All right, the main topic today is that second item in the list, the issue of impurity. And I want to be fairly quick and straightforward today. So let's just talk through what impurity is and then how it is put to death. So first, what is impurity? That word is all over the scriptures. You've probably either seen impure or pure, or a similar idea is clean or unclean. So in this context, if sexual immorality is speaking about immoral sexual acts, impurity is essentially the moral uncleanness that comes from immorality. Okay, so it's similar and it comes from that immorality, but it's a slightly different idea. In the Old Testament, the idea of pure or impure was really speaking about if something was clean or unclean. So to speak of something as pure was to say it was clean according to God. To speak of something as impure was to say that something is morally wrong or unclean according to God. So people were not to defile or make something impure by sinful or unholy acts. And that is similar to how Paul is talking here. He's saying that sexual immorality is a form of impurity or it leads to impurity. And speaking of this word impurity, N.T. Wright says this, Impurity here highlights the contamination of character affected by immoral behavior. It highlights the contamination of character that is affected by immoral behavior. So the sexual immorality we discussed last time leads to a contamination or a sense of being unclean. And if I can just speak frankly here, this is starting to get at the idea of when you've maybe struggled with sexual immorality, that feeling of regret or dirtiness or shame or being unclean, that's the idea of impurity in Colossians 3, 5. And Paul says we need to put this contamination or this uncleanness to death as Christians. It has no part of the Christian's union with Christ. Which leads us to the question, how is impurity put to death? How does something that is unclean become clean again? How is that unclean impurity done away with? Because in the Old Testament, 
there were certain rituals for certain types of impurity, certain amounts of time that you needed before you could become clean. The problem is our sin and unholiness has produced a great impurity in us through acts like sexual immorality. So how do we put that deeply ingrained impurity that marks us to death? How do we as a whole person, not just part of us, but all of us become clean? Well, when Jesus comes onto the scene, he shows us. Many different places in the Gospels, Jesus interacts with someone who is unclean. You'll notice this. You'll see him interact with a leper, a woman bleeding, a sexual sinner, these people that are considered unclean. And over and over and over again, the gospel writers give us this little detail that he touches them, which is vitally important because if you touched an unclean person, you became unclean too. But what's fascinating about these stories is that Jesus never becomes unclean when he touches someone who's unclean. Instead, the unclean person is made clean every time. Jesus, the ultimate clean, pure, holy one, comes into contact with somebody who is impure and he cleanses them. And this is a model of what he was doing to the core of our impurity. Titus 3 says that Jesus came to wash us. 1 John in a number of places says that Jesus cleansed us from our impurities and our unrighteousness. It was in the death of Jesus that our impurity could die once and for all, and as he raised to new life, we could also raise with him in purity. Once again, the importance of our union with Christ. It wasn't just our sins that got declared forgiven through the gospel. It was our impurity declared pure, our uncleanliness declared clean. Jesus entering into our shame and impurity didn't make him impure. He made us pure. So ultimately, our impurity is put to death once and for all in Christ. So what do we do today then? Well, we fight sexual immorality and impurity because that is not who we are anymore. We don't live as impure because at the core, we are not impure. We are holy, clean, righteous. So Christian, we are called to live clean, live according to who you are. We put to death, consider dead the impurity by aligning our lives with Christ who has made us clean. He has forgiven you, he has cleansed you, and he has allowed you the power to live clean. So today, I want to encourage you, one, to thank Jesus for the work of making you pure, something you could not do at the core of your being, he has done. And then I would ask him for the help to walk in purity. If there are temptations in your life to live morally unclean, to engage in immoral behavior, to walk in unholiness, would you confess both to Jesus and to somebody else that you need help? Tell someone about the situation and walk in the light. You have the Spirit of God, if you are a Christian, who is empowering you to overcome both the immoral behaviors and the uncleanness, the impurity that is inside of you. 
We don't have to live morally unclean. We don't have to live in shame anymore. We can be healed from the shame of the past and live clean moving forward. Friends, may God bless you and keep you. May he give you favor, grace, and peace.